0: But I think sometimes we can get the tools, which I think was, was sort of to your comment earlier, and all of a sudden we, we, we start adding all these numbers and the complication goes up and, and you've know you got this console in front of you and it's, it's spitting out all kinds of numbers uh, and you're, you're trying to figure out you know which ones are you supposed to be listening to and, and, or, or looking at. Uh, it, it can get really confusing really fast. And we don't want power uh, and heart rate to fall into that trap because then people are not going to embrace it.
1: Hi, and welcome to another Indoor Cycle Instructor Pro podcast. I'm John McGowan, and joining me is Cycling Fusion Master Instructor, Tom Scotto. Hello, Tom. Hello, John. Just so everybody knows, and because we sound like we're sitting next to each other, hopefully, uh, that I'm in Minneapolis and you're sitting where?
0: Um, uh, well, Boston, but technically Arlington, Massachusetts. What
1: we would like to do is continue a, an offline conversation. You and I have actually been recording this morning. We just recorded your latest... Um, audio profile, climbing strength intervals, and we started talking about, well, well, I started the conversations with a little concern that here we're introducing power in a lot of our classes when maybe we're not even at the heart rate comfort, you know, within the class from a training perspective, and and so uh, how would you address that if... You know, what we were saying, as far as we're adding more complexity onto, you know, heart rate training being somewhat of a complex uh, thing. So, how how would you address that uh, for an instructor?
0: Well, I think it's it's a, it was a great comment, which kind of got us on this topic. I think for. Any class that we're putting out as an as an instructor, particularly if the class, you know, if it's a fun class or geared in that way, uh, that's one thing. But if you know, if you're really trying to, you know, either train your riders or focus on something specific, I think really keeping it to one concept or sort of one training experience per class is the way to go, regardless of whether you're using tools or not. But I think sometimes we can get the tools, which I think was, was sort of to your comment earlier, and all of a sudden we 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 start adding all these. Numbers and the complication goes up, and and you know you got this console in front of you, and it's it's spitting out all kinds of numbers, uh, and you're, you're trying to figure out you know which ones are you supposed to be listening to and and or, or looking at. Uh, it it can get really confusing really fast, and we don't want power uh, and heart rate to fall into that trap because then people are not going to embrace it. So instead of going crazy and in in trying to incorporate tools that you know we're honestly very excited about. Is to really figure out how can we teach one aspect of training or one aspect of how a rider in our class is going to feel or experience per session, and I think this is a, a much simpler approach. Instead of having power and heart rate be the end all, they're sort of more of the learn all. I'm going to learn all I can about my body, and today I'm going to learn about what it means to you know to focus on one power number for my class. Uh, and we've done these things with cadence too. So it's not like as instructors, we don't know how to do this. We've done a class that said, hey, we're going we're gonna to work at a specific cadence or find a cadence for ourselves. And when we do something that's simple like that, uh, we get the workout, but riders walk away with knowledge. And they're able to use that in the subsequent classes that they take with us. And then, of course that helps us when we're teaching because now we know we have riders that have this knowledge that we're building. So I think... To your fear, and and I had the same fear of all this complexity and tools, I think if we take that approach that the tools are not there to add all these cool little widgets and things to our classes, but they're there to help learn how our body is responding to a workout or just learn something about ourselves, it can take the complexity and the the intimidation off the table for both the instructor and the rider and uh, allow us to have some fun with these tools.
1: You know, the original concept from Johnny G was essentially, you know, there was no feedback. There were no computers, complexity of any sort. And it was all based on pretty much your perception of feeling. And although I do need to credit Johnny for being, you know, a huge advocate of heart rate monitors and, and, and their use. And, and, yeah, my concern is that we're going to lose people. And... The thought, and i 've had this conversation with some other people, Tom, does it make sense that you know in the military they talk about standing down when they start realizing maybe things aren 't working right, you 're making mistakes or there's systems that seem to be breaking down, you know, especially complex systems that it works best to step back and look at the, go back to the beginning and and the idea or the thought that 's come up in a number of conversations is that you know as an instructor, we go to our class and we have to teach to the whole class which typically is a wide variance in experience and in motivation and, and, you know, in knowledge as far as training and of different perspectives. Would it make sense as an instructor to, to possibly look at advocating for some more basic style classes? I know Psychic Fusion is very big on their introductory classes that are taught. Does it make sense to even take that further and say, you know, we're going to have a program four weeks, six weeks, whatever, of basic heart rate training, so that we can introduce topics to, a, to an audience that are eager to hear it, and yet we don't feel like we're boring the other half. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, no, I, absolutely. And, and what I tend to look at, because you know, I came from a technology background, and, and one of the, the, uh, the things you, get, you can get tripped up in when particularly you have a technology product, whether it's software or hardware, is you get all focused on the features. <laughs> and it does this, and it does that, and you know, it'll wash your car while you know computing your taxes. Exactly. but we never you know, the, the mistake a lot of companies made and I've made this myself is we focus so much on the features but not what the actual individual needs it to do and it's not to say that it doesn't do what it needs we just don't focus on that and I think to your point John a simpler approach would say okay what is something that our classes really don't our riders don't understand very well well let's take recovery for example a lot of them don't really understand how to recover and because of that they don't work as hard as they need to So if we had a class that made them work hard and then we gave them, for example, two minutes of recovery, made them work hard again, gave them three minutes of recovery and sort of did something like that, only focused on recovery, you can teach them a whole lot. Focused on one recovery heart rate for an entire class. They got a great workout and they learned a ton about what it really means to work hard and recover. So very simple concept to your point. I think if we looked at what are the different things that our riders are missing and maybe not getting their fitness where it needs to be we can put together some very simplistic classes that teach some big lessons.
1: You know what, Tom, that sounds like a great idea. We're, as instructors, <laughs> and I know I fall into this trap all the time, is you feel like you need to tell them everything about everything. And And you're very right. If you can find a way to deliver just one message through the course of an hour class, you're probably going to be much more successful communicating it.
0: If you can introduce a single topic, particularly one that you can get them to experience the feeling of, you've hit a home run.
1: Because you are the master instructor, can you give us all permission to not feel like we have to teach them everything that we know in an hour?
0: You do not have. <laughs> you do not need to teach everything to your riders that you know in one hour. How's that, John? Is that okay?
1: Perfect. Perfect. Yes, because I, I, I sense that. In a lot of us, you know, the need to to talk a lot. And so the, within heart rate training, for example, it would make sense then to potentially do a, one class just all focused around T1, your aerobic threshold. Right. Correct? Which right. is – and just explain that to everybody because that is a – I've been using the term just riding along to describe that base of zone three is based on, the, you know, the – the training zones that I use, but explain that concept of T1. So for those that may not understand the difference between T1 and T2.
0: Yeah, well, it's looking at the two different uh, inflection points. I mean, if we're looking at them um, from a breathing standpoint, which is a lot of, you know, what we're doing in class, we either call that, you know, respiratory or ventilatory, which are two words most people know. But uh, <clears throat> the first change in your breathing or your your ventilation is what we're looking at is that low threshold, the threshold one or T one as we're abbreviating it. Uh, and then as you continue to increase your intensity level at some point, your breathing response changes again. And if you were to draw a line that mapped this out, sort of a line that went diagonally from the bottom left to the top right, uh, it would go straight for a period of time and then it would have a little bend and start to go up, uh, as your first change in breathing and it would go a little bit farther and then it would bend up again so another inflection uh, and that would that second inflection or high threshold is what we're calling threshold two or t two
1: correct or what a lot of us have called anaerobic threshold or compared to lactic threshold as well correct
0: right yeah there's been a number of terms I, th- I think the biggest change in the industry has probably been the the one threshold to two you know in the cycling industry we focused on lactate threshold heart rate which Always indicated the T two, so now we have uh, even in lactate threshold heart rate they have you know L one and L two and V one and V two. So everyone's added the you know the the two thresholds to their methodology.
1: Exactly, and I actually and 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 listeners are going to hear much more about this because I'm finding that working around T one does a great job of communicating your perceived exertion in a much better way because I my experience has been i've got people in class that think they're at threshold you know at t2 but when they're really at t1 and they don't they notice a change and they think well that's i'm there if you're going to do a threshold test with someone do you ever use t1 to approximate t2
0: um not often just because the t1 can move quite a bit based on someone's training and their conditioning, uh, you know, because obviously the, 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 the thresholds can move apart and close to each other and move farther to the right or farther to the left based on a lot of factors. So it's, even though it is an inflection point, the, the T2 tends to be the one that, you know, once you cross over that second threshold, you're in an unsustainable area. So that becomes a much more important place uh, to either stay under or be careful not to, to go over for too long of a period of time.
1: Okay, and I realize that was off the original topic, but at the same time, I'm going to guess people had an understanding for that. Okay, so
0: one thing I'd like to point out is sometimes we can think that a workout that's focused on T1, you know, which is a a low threshold, is is going to be very easy and uh, probably translated as boring. But you know, as as instructors, our job is to educate riders, and sometimes educating them what is not T1 is just as valuable as trying to get them to find T1 and stay there. So to your point earlier where, you know, can you can you use T1 uh, to learn other things? Well, you can use a higher heart rate like T2 to let them realize that they're definitely not working at T1. And so to have them do sort of, in a lot of ways, do like an over T1, get them to a point where they're definitely having trouble, drop them down and then go below T1. And so to help them for themselves find out where they wind up landing at the end of a workout. So it can be a very hard workout, but the goal is to come out with one specific either perceived effort if they don't have a heart rate monitor or one specific number that they believe is going to be, you know, without testing their first threshold.
1: And I do a lot of that as well. My Monday morning classes, I have a 545 class that is popular because it is an an endurance class. And we essentially do – Intervals above and below T one for the whole class, and uh, you know some people use it as a recovery, even because of you know they had a a stress filled weekend, you know from a physical perspective, and others just like it because it just launches them into the week, and and I describe it as getting those big rocks in early, you know that aerobic work, so that you can take a couple other classes where you go crazy, uh, spend all your time over T two, and then kind of go from there. All right, so to get back to my. the earlier or to get back to the earlier discussion is that would it make sense for an instructor or a club for that matter to try to develop some small group training for those people who may sit in your class and nod saying that they believe understand you. But in actuality, they don't. And so that you will provide an option for really basically introductory heart rate training or if you have power introductory uh, power training.
0: Yeah, I, I think that's an, an excellent way to introduce it, uh, particularly for you know the larger population who's maybe not interested in uh, a training program like as like we ran with Cycling Fusion, where we had the twelve months of winter training. You know, they, they might just be interested weeks, in you mean? hey, no, yeah, no. Tw- yeah, twelve <laughs> months in of Minnesota. Winter. Oh, yes,
1: it's twelve months of. <laughs>
0: <laughs> talking talk about a slip there? No, that's okay. I Keep going. Just- But yeah, so to your point, yes, twelve weeks of uh, of very specific training. They they just might want to learn about heart rate, you know, how to use heart rate, and you know, as an instructor, we can break it down very simple or simply and say, you know, for first week we're going to learn this aspect about ourselves, and the second week this aspect, and and at the end, you know, they'll they'll have this knowledge base of how to listen and be aware of their body. That way, when they go back into their their regular classes, they're getting a whole lot more out of the workout. And they're learning, you know, a ton more about how their body's responding to one instructor, one class over another.
1: Yeah, because I keep looking at, well, I have to, Lifetime Fitness where I teach is very good at promoting zone-based heart rate training. So we have some pretty high adoption rates. And yet I'm hearing from instructors all the time how well, nobody wears a heart rate monitor. And I think as instructors, accepting that is really doing our, our students a disservice Because we, many of us, recognize that there is value of using more training-specific classes. I mean, how do I say that differently? We recognize the value of of endurance-type training, uh, athlete-type training, versus just random exercise. And so, to try to find ways to introduce these concepts that are completely different than however you did them yesterday, uh, in in within the hopes of Sparking some inspiration in people to want to learn, and then you know, bring uh, you know the whole concept of training versus just random exercise, and the and the results that they hopefully will get from it.
0: Well, I think to your point, I mean, it sort of brings us full circle back to why we started this whole conversation in the first place. I think because we got so fired up about the features and tools, uh, even of the heart rate monitor, uh, and you know, we were so excited that we kept telling them all these things that it, it became an intimidation for them. Whereas if we had a class that was focused on one aspect of heart rate training, at the end, we, and I say this at the end of my classes, and I usually get one turnover a week. And what I mean by that is one person a week comes up to me and follows up with an email asking, what is the heart rate monitor I recommend? And Because usually at the end of the class, I'll say, not to put them down, but if you had a heart rate monitor, here's one additional value you would have been able to see in the class. Not that they didn't get it, but they would have actually seen it. And if you don't, you know, say, if you had a heart rate monitor, you would have gotten this and the ambient and the delta. And, you you know, you, you do that at the end of the class and, and you've lost them. So I think there's a lot more to this simplicity and this sort of single concept um, teaching experience per class uh, that we're, we're talking about here.
1: Interesting. Well, it's something we'll have to pursue in the future. And, Absolutely. And, and for those listening, we would love your comments and, and uh, ideas as to whether this would make sense to you. So Tom Scotto. Cycling Fusion and Stage 5 Cycling, and presenter at the upcoming Indoor Cycle Instructor Pro Conference. Thanks for being on today.
0: Always a pleasure, John.
2: Hi, Amy McGowan here. In my role as the official hostess of the Indoor Cycle Instructor Pro Conference, I'm inviting you to join us in Boston on September 30th, October 1st, and 2nd. This year, we're bringing you the power of Indoor Cycling 2.0 with Kaiser and Free Motion Indoor Cycles with Power, initial and advanced pre-con certifications, plus over 40 informative and entertaining sessions for instructors and studio owners. I'm really excited about our kickoff ride Friday night, featuring live music thanks to Cycling Fusion. Last year was an absolute blast, and this year promises to be even better. Participants last year asked us not to let the conference get too big or too impersonal, so we're capping registration at 200. Register today at IndoorCycleInstructor.com forward slash conference. I'm so looking forward to seeing you all this fall.